time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. And welcome to the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. Walter Storholt here with Glenn Mosseller, ready to talk to you about financial planning and retirement. And we have a great topic on the agenda for today. We're talking about beneficiary mistakes. Now, you might not think that it's that hard to get this equation of your financial plan right, but you would be surprised at the many people who have missteps and uh, make mistakes and wrong choices when it comes to naming a beneficiary and, boy, the complications, the impact from a wrong decision here are huge. So, Glenn, let's talk about some of the common mistakes that we see people make when it comes to the beneficiaries of their accounts. And mistake number one is naming minors as beneficiaries. Now, why would that be a mistake? You're in a situation where kids... They're not of legal age. They can't enter into contracts. And you obviously look at the judgment of minor children. That can be a problem, you know, not only legally, but just in terms of do you really want to leave your life's work to someone who is has not matured and whatnot and is not where they need to be in order to take that kind of responsibility. So it's one of those things where you really got to think it through. And if they are ultimately going to be the beneficiary, then you have to go through some setting up special accounts and possibly doing some legal planning as well so that maybe uh, things get delayed until they're of age or you know maybe you can control a little bit more in terms of releasing little bits and pieces along the way so that they mature into life and then uh, things can come to them. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that when you're naming a beneficiary, there are things that might look like common sense, but then have sort of these, you know, underlying implications to them. And naming minors as beneficiaries is definitely one of those examples. And a lack of coordination between your beneficiary designations and then maybe what your will says creates a lot of problems. That would be common beneficiary mistake number two that we would identify. If you don't have those things coordinated, Glenn, well, there's actually not that much gray area here. The courts have, they've been very clear on which one gets followed. They're very clear on this, Walter. And you see this sometimes where somebody has just accidentally disinherited the people that they really wanted to have their account or their asset go to. And the reality is, is that it's kind of different than what a lot of people think. A lot of people think, well, you know, the will is going to be the one that drives the ship, so to speak. And in the reality of it is, is that if you have an account that has the legal way of that account transferring to another person is through beneficiary and through the beneficiary forms and having them filled out properly, well, that rules the day. And so you see sometimes in the news where somebody has left in their will that maybe they've left them an IRA or a bank account or some sort of a brokerage account or some asset. And yet the beneficiary forms are different than that. And so ultimately, when everything is heard and done, the beneficiary form will win out because that is how that particular account is set up to transfer the asset to the next person. And it comes to some really sad stories at times, but that's a very common one. And it's like you say, it's very clear in the law and there's not really any way to really appeal that. Just it kind of is what it is. It's so important to remember these nuances when you're trying to decide who to pass money along to, what you want the next generation to experience or what you want to have happen to that that money and to those funds. Now, another common beneficiary mistake would be not naming alternative or successor beneficiaries. Does this just mean, Glenn, taking it one step further, like you have your first choice and then you're like second and third choices? Well, that's exactly right, Walter. You have a scenario where you would have your, quote unquote, your primary beneficiary or beneficiaries, and then things would transfer to them. 
But if something happens to, let's say, for instance, you have one primary beneficiary and that person predeceases you, then if you don't have a contingent beneficiary, then there's no way of knowing exactly who it's going to go to. And so then it's just going to default to your estate, in which case, in some instances, that can that can cause some tax problems and whatnot. And I know that that's one of the things that we're going to talk about is naming the estate as the beneficiary. But it's kind of the same thing. If you don't have a contingent beneficiary behind your, your primary beneficiary, that's what ultimately happens if the primary beneficiary is no longer with us. And so it's very, very important to make sure that you have, you know, you have it thought out about how you want your affairs to be settled and who you want to receive these different accounts and make sure that you go beyond just saying, okay, well, this is the person that I want to have it. And a lot of times these forms get filled out quickly or they don't get filled out at all. I mean, you'd be amazed at some of the things that I see when people come into the office and we're reviewing what they have from other places or maybe at a bank or something like that. And the forms weren't just necessarily filled out. And maybe they said, well, we'll finish those later. Or, you know, you can always change that later. And then they never came back to it. And so those are very important things that you need to make sure that you do that and handle it right away. And you should revisit it from time to time because sometimes things change. You know, somebody might have passed away or maybe you change your mind about what you want to do and who you want to receive a particular account or part of an account. Yeah. So many people, I think, have when they make their initial designations for these kinds of things, they just, you know, and it's human nature. We're not thinking, all right, well, things might be a lot different 10, 15, 20 years from now. And so then we never really keep it on our radar or something to think about as life changes around us. But it would be good to have somebody to remind you every once in a while. Now, let's check these beneficiaries. Is this exactly how you want things set up? And we've all heard the stories about how the ex-wife of 20 years ago gets the inheritance rather than the current wife of the past 20 years and how big of an issue that has caused. Those aren't just stories that are just sort of made up and you see some you know random person in somewhere in the country and it's, just, it's not fake news, in other words, is what I'm trying to get at. The, these, <laughs> That's exactly right, the, the, Walter. These are real That's stories. The real <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, now, Glenn, my initial knee-jerk reaction here is like, all right, so I can't name minors as beneficiaries. I got to make sure that my will coordinates with my beneficiary designations on my other accounts. I've got to make sure I name all these successor beneficiaries and that those things aren't left blank. Gosh, it's also confusing. How about I just name my estate as a beneficiary and be done with it? Just wrap everything all up into one neat ball and go from there. Why is that not the best approach? Well, like you say, Walter, I mean, sometimes people do take that approach, but the challenge with that is, is that if you're, if you have a particular account that's left to an estate and let's say that there's, those are pre-tax dollars that have yet to be taxed, you know, that might be an IRA or a 401k or something like that. And you leave your estate as the beneficiary. Well, then what happens is, is then, you know, it's going to be left there. And then what's going to take place is as the estate gets distributed, everything will get distributed out. And as we talked about, those are pre-tax dollars. So suddenly what you had all this tax deferral and the planning that you that you made it to not pay taxes on that prematurely, suddenly by naming the estate the beneficiary, you've inadvertently caused everything to get distributed out. And unfortunately, Uncle Sam becomes one of the greatest beneficiaries in a lot of cases when this happens. And I have yet to meet anybody 
that tells me that they want Uncle Sam to be one of their largest beneficiaries. It's it's just it's kind of goes without saying. I and mean, most people say, well, yeah, I want to make sure that the people that I care about or the causes that I care about end up receiving my life's work, you know, and, and what I saved rather than just going to the government in the form of taxes. And that's really something that you've got to pay attention to, because if you just if you name your estate on purpose for like you were saying is just to kind of simplify it, it does simplify it, but it's maybe not simplified exactly the way you want it to be. And like we say, I mean, if you don't have contingent beneficiaries, sometimes it will end up defaulting this way. So you want to make sure that you dot all your I's and cross all your T's. And, um, you know, and you're working with somebody who who really understands, you know, how this how this works and make sure that that your financial planning is coordinated with your with your legal planning and your estate plan. And last but not least, Glenn, and this might be beneficial to hear a story about. Otherwise, people, I don't know, may not believe it, but you wouldn't believe the beneficiary mistake that people make all the time. That's as simple as making errors on the application and all the headaches that that then causes. Well, no, that's exactly right, Walter. You know, we kind of talked about that. It's, it's, you know, you have a situation where somebody is either not named or they don't put in the, all the right details about, you know, the person's name. Maybe, they, maybe you know, there's somebody else in the family that has a similar name, and but it wasn't done exactly right. And maybe the, the social security number was left off and, and maybe an address wasn't included or there wasn't really a way to contact them. And now you get a dispute about who, who, you know, who is the heir and, and that type of thing. And it's kind of rare that these things happen, but they can, and and they do it from time to time. And and really, this is a this is a very avoidable mistake. I mean, it's just simply making sure that you take your time, you do it, and you follow through, and you make sure that you get it right. And you know, it's kind of a red flag too. It's sometimes it's like you know, if you've had these different types of accounts um, in the past, and you know that this is part of the application process. If you're going through the application process and you're not and you're not um, answering questions about and checking over the forms that have beneficiaries there, then you need to make sure you you kind of reevaluate. Is this really you know? how and when, where I want to be putting my money because it's you want to make sure that those I's are dotted and those T's are crossed. I and mean, it's kind of a red flag, but sometimes I, I have seen folks come in and they, they'll bring in their, um, their different accounts and we'll look the paperwork over and we don't, you know, we don't see anything there and we might even call the company and they'll say, well, no, we don't have anything on record. And, and that's just alarming to say the least. And so that's something that we got to re- really make sure that we, we mind our P's and Q's and, and take care of those details. So you as a financial advisor, Glenn, what is your role in particular for your clients and people that come into the office when it comes to making sure that beneficiary mistakes are covered? Because this isn't a financial matter from the standpoint of, you know, we're not talking about what kind of return you get on your investments here. We're talking about very nuanced things of how an application essentially gets filled out. So how much into these details do you really get as an advisor? Well, for sure. I mean, when folks become clients and, you know, and and we, you know, we end up working with their accounts and those types of things. Obviously, we're filling out new paperwork and that, and that type of thing. It's kind of a standing thing that I you know, I will do that as a uh, complimentary service. Is if folks want to check their beneficiary forms or make sure that everything is done right, that's something that, we, you know, that we're more than happy to do as kind of a public service. And it's funny. I mean, sometimes people say, yeah, well, you know, let's do that. And, and sometimes they'll follow through and, you know, and, and do it. And sometimes they won't. And you never know. And, and you, you always say, well, you know, make sure that you do that. 
And so you sometimes wonder, but you know, I, I encourage folks, if you're not sure, or if you haven't looked at this in a long time, let's sit down and, you know, just make a call to us and, and say, Hey, you know, I, I would really like to review that. And whether you're, you know, you're a current client who's wanting to look at, you know, maybe you've got some assets elsewhere or a bank account or something, or if you're just thinking about, you know, Hey, should I get a second opinion and have this looked over? Feel free to give us a call and let's sit down and let's review and make sure that, like I say, all your I's are dotted and T's are crossed to make sure that your accounts go to who you want them to go to. Yep, and it's easy to get in touch with Glenn Mosseller. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call 336-291-3535. Glenn's a registered financial consultant. He's the founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting with an office in Greensboro on Muir's Chapel Road. If you want to get in touch with him again, give a call to 336-291-3535. If it has been a while since you've reviewed your beneficiaries on your different forms, if you don't know if it's in line with what your will says, and you don't have a strategy for how money's going to get passed on to your heirs, and you think it's just going to be that, that really simple formula, it may not be the case, and it'd be worth a second opinion and a review of your financial plan and your financial situation. If you haven't gone through that yet, Glenn Mosseller, you can reach him again at 336-291-3535. Or if you want to do everything from your smartphone or from your computer, you can do that on GreensboroRetirement.com. Again, GreensboroRetirement.com. All you have to do is go to the bottom of the page. You'll see free consultation, a little pop-up down there. You can click on that and schedule a time to meet with Glenn and his team at Roadmap Financial Consulting. Again, GreensboroRetirement.com or call 336-291-3535. That's the skinny on common beneficiary mistakes that we see. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast today, and we'll talk to you again next time on the Retirement Roadmap. Roadmap. 